introduce our main speaker for this evening, Tristan from San Diego. Good evening. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Tristan. And thank you, Damien, for asking me to share this evening with everybody. Um, you know, it, 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 it really is an honor to, to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, as it said in the email, to represent this fellowship uh, in this, not even, in any fashion that we're able to do so. And, and I guess this evening, this is what I'm doing. Um, and uh, in, in part because, I mean, at the end of the day, this program has given me everything that I have in my life at present and really, for the most part, has pretty much given me everything that's ever really been worthwhile in my life um, in large measure. Um, I mean, I wouldn't toss it all away, um, but for the most part, I absolutely have to say that. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm forever thankful that when I uh, ended up in, in rooms like this that I was introduced to some people that... Um, that that you know found it imperative to to go through the twelve step process and that you have an experience with the steps so that you too could then share this message with other sick and suffering alcoholics and that ultimately this is the foundation of our program I mean it's kind of you could call it people helping people <laughs> um, you could go back to the eighties and think about that really bad c- commercial I think it, I want to say it was no it wasn't Calgon it was some hair product where it started out with two women. And then they told two friends, and it went to four, and then eight, and then 16. You get it. So, But that's kind of the deal here. That's how it works. I mean, that's really the deal. If, if you look in, early on in the book, it talks about how, you know, the founder of the program was still in treatment, which is kind of funny. I'm in treatment. I just came up with this idea. I had this little experience here, and I really want to tell this to uh, these people here in the program. I'm sure the doctors really were scratching their head going, <laughs> okay. We'll let them go for it. It's probably not going to work. We'll probably let them go for it so we can monitor them a little bit closely, a little bit closer. But nonetheless, they did. And, and the whole deal of it was that he saw how imperative it was to, to you know, I can only keep what I have by giving it away. Um, you know, all jokes aside. Um, and um, for what, Art took a, took a cake. Congratulations. I think it was Colin, Will, 90 days, I believe. Yeah? Okay. Good deal. You know. Um, you know, um, for those of you that uh, were here when I got here, I've been fortunate enough uh, to be sober now about 12 years, four months, and I don't know, a couple few weeks at this point. I'm not counting. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm forever indebted to those of you that were here, regardless of whether I know you or not. The deal of it is, is those of, those of us that were here before someone such as myself got here, you kept the rooms Alcoholics Anonymous open, and you, 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 you created a place that was here for a guy like me to land in, because um, basically that's what happens. I, I just land in places like this and, uh, and have an opportunity to have a life worth living. And, and for those of you that are, that are newer than me, welcome. You know, um, this is, I believe, Jamie, right? Yeah, Jamie said it's the easier, softer way. This really is the, the the better deal. The problem is I don't see it. That's the, that's the the real kicker for me, at least. It was always that way. The person that blocked me from recovery was me. It just that's just the way it happened, you know. And uh, again, I'm 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 forever indebted and and always, you know. Hey, I'll always show up for Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, you know, hey, some things in life pop up, and we got to do what we got to do. But for the most part, that's what I do. This is what I do. Um, and uh, Okay, I think I got all that stuff out the way as far as I can remember. And um, 
a little bit about me, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. You know, I, I, I like I said, I, I ended up getting sober uh, March 6, 2002. I, I, I ended up in the in, in a, a Salvation Army treatment center on the 5th, but I, I was still a little bit wonky and shaky and all of that. So, uh, you know, the, I start with the next day. Um, and frankly, you know, that weekend, at, at that point, my, my whole deal with, with, with alcohol, and you know what, you know, drugs are a part of my story, too. I don't even really need to get into all of the, the various things of that nature or any of it. To me, it's about what happens on the inside. What did it do to me? Did I think like that? Did I feel like that? Did I get loaded like that? Where did it take me? What did it do to me at the end of the day? Um, anyways, I was on the back end of, of maybe what I would call a wild weekend. And frankly, at the end of it all, that's about all I was really good for. Physically, I was pretty much pretty close to deterioration. I was just about 31. I had developed a stutter, which might appear tonight. Uh, I would drool on myself, and, and it wasn't only until I started, you know, getting some of the goodies in me that I would kind of get right. Um, but that's basically where it had taken me. You know, I, I, I got, I started, I started on this path uh, at, a, you know, the, when I started, I was in the fifth grade, and it was pretty, uh, yeah, so good, good 20 years, good solid 20-year run at this thing. Um, and I was pretty beaten up, you know, and, and, and physically, I just don't think I had the, uh, the endurance that I once had. And so, yeah, a weekend was probably about all I was good for. And so, I, once again, I went wonky. I went upside down, and, and uh, I ended up at a Salvation Army men's program in downtown Los Angeles. And I would like to tell you that was the first time that I ended up in a, in a, a men's facility such as that, but it wasn't, you know. Um, I can remember it was about two years, roughly it was about two years prior to that, and uh, I, had pre- I was pretty much on the back end of what, what pretty much just put a black X over the five years prior to that. So now I'm going back to 2000, and it was March of 2000. I had lost all contact with my family for close to two years. Uh, I had ended up homeless on the streets of New York. Also, my story, I, I was born in California. I grew up here for the most part. I did live in Hawaii for five years. I lived in New York for nine years. It did all happen. Um, but if I bounce around, that's just because that's what happened. I bounced around a lot, um, but it did happen. Uh, so, anyways, you know, I ended up in this. I ended up in this in this uh, detox center. I remember I got there. I was so desperate. Uh, I ended up. Uh, God, I had this list of places to go. I don't know how I ended up there. I, I was on the train. I, it was uh, at Harlem Hospital, 135th and Lenox. If anybody knows New York, um, and I went there, and uh, and I was desperate. I was desperate. I was, you know, I was on death's door. And they're like, you know, uh, we'd love to help you, but uh, we don't have any beds for, for men. We just, we're full up, and there's nothing we can do. And I begged, and I pleaded, and I cried, alligator snot tears. And I begged, and I pleaded, and if you don't let me in, I'll die. Like, you know, and potentially it was possible, but, you know, I was just... And in the end, the, the, the woman, the, the intake, uh, you know, she, uh, she said, okay. They, they admitted me into the, to the woman's side of the, the facility. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know. hey, we had our own room, so, you know, you know, it, it, you know at, least, at least the idea was good, you know. Um, and so my first real exposure to, uh, to the fellowship was through hospitals and institutions. And I remember some people came out and they shared their message. And, and uh, you know, I heard a couple few things. Uh, and I ended up at a program for about 35 days in, in, in East New York, uh, a state facility. And, and uh, I remember towards the end there, they, uh, I met there was this, this wonder, wonderfully nice man, just very, very soft-spoken and, and uh, 
He said, you know, Tristan, you've shared some things about yourself uh, in respect to what you've been through the last few years. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen a, a, my fair amount of, uh, of guys like you. And, uh, you know, I got to say, in your case, what we re- recommend is this. Uh, there's a facility up in Lake Placid that's run by some monks, and it's ba- essentially a monastery. And we'll pay for you to go up there. And uh, you can stay there for six months, maybe a little bit more. And when you're done with that, they'll, they'll send you down a uh, little south of Albany uh, to, uh, I forget, Schenectady, Poughkeepsie, whatever. If you're not from New York, it doesn't really matter. Um, and because uh, and, 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 you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. It's like trying to, it's trying to like plot a point somewhere in San Joaquin Valley. You're like, you know, who, who actually stops? For, pardon me if I've offended anybody who's from the San Joaquin Valley. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe when you used to drive the 99, not now when you're on the 5. Um, and, uh, and, and then they're going to transition you and you're going to work there and they're going to help you get on your feet. They're going to help you build your life back. You're going to have this, I mean, bought and paid for. I believe, like I said, I had literally been, when I, I, when I say I lived on the streets of New York, I mean, I was not couch surfing. I believe me. I was sleeping on trains, park benches, the whole cha-cha. And... And I looked at him and I was like, you know, I heard about these three-quarter houses that you got. Now, I don't even know if they got these in California. Thank God they don't. They're not even as good as halfway houses. And, but see, I'm, what I'm talking about is my mind. My mind is polluted. The loving hand of Alcoholics Anonymous had stretched out and it offered me the gift of recovery. Granted, this isn't the 12 steps and ultimately that is the, is, is the, the, the recovery program. But it sure is a good start. And, I mean, that's a good deal. Lake Placid, it's beautiful. Monastery, I mean, really, we're considering? And I, if you think, if, you're, if you've ever been presented with something like this and you actually think about it, you're not done. Um, and that's the deal. I wasn't done. My mind told me I was done. My mind told me that a three-quarter house with very little rules, just completely wild and crazy, was all I needed. And in the moment, that's what I got. And not surprisingly, I got loaded. And, and I, you know, at that point, I, of course, I reconnected to my family. And, you know, the first thing I did was called my mom. And, I mean, God, I mean, she didn't know where I had been for a lengthy period of time, close to two years. And, you know, uh, you know I don't have any kids, and, and I'm an only child. And I can only imagine, you know, the type of pain that I put my mother through, not just in that particular instant, but over the years, the, 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 just the whole deal of it. And, uh, of course, I reached out to her. What else am I going to do? And, 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 you know, she, she sent me a care package and all of this stuff, all of that. And, and uh, you know, when I ended up at the men's program at the Salvation Army 12-odd uh, years ago, I, I told her, I go, they, they got a bed for me at the Salvation Army downtown. And she's like, oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and she's like, I, I'll drop you at the bus stop, you know. Um, and basically that was it. That's what she did. She dropped me. And that's, what, that's where it took her. She was like, great, you know, go. <laughs> Bye, you know. Um, and so, and in between that time with the first program, I ended up in, uh, in New York and the one, the Salvation Army men's program. I went through a handful of them in the Los Angeles area. There's uh, the, what's called the Mary Lynn foundation, and they've been working with Alcoholics Anonymous for decades. And they have a handful of recovery homes in the Los Angeles area. And they do amazing work for people who, uh, 
who really don't have the financial means to actually get that type of assistance. And, and it's an amazing thing. And there's, there's tons of places like that here in San Diego as well. We're really fortunate in that regard. I know that I was because I didn't have the financial means for any sort of assistance. You know. Um, anyways, I went through a few of those Mary Lynn places in between in, in that two-year period. And, and uh, you know, uh, if I wasn't there, then I was getting loaded. And if I wasn't getting loaded, I did a couple stints in county jail in that two-year period. And now when I look back, what happened is when I was in New York, I totally rejected the steps. And w- but when I ended up at the program, when I first got to California in uh, August of 2000, I ended up at this place. And, and, and there was tons of people that were super active in the 12-step process. And they totally were there to, to make it available and to welcome you to meetings and so on and so forth. And, and it was just... I was just kind of thrown into this thing, and I had a desire to stop, and I was totally into it in the moment, and then that moment passed. Um, but nonetheless, it, what it did is it planted a seed, you know, and often when I've had the opportunity to, to work with other people, you know, I see that that's often the case, is really all I'm here is I'm just kind of planting seeds, and then maybe, you know, maybe you'll make it back. You know, hey, my, my hope is that you stay. I'm not, I hope I stay. You know, let's let's keep honest about this thing. You know, and I but the hope is that you stay and but and that this thing takes hold of you and you see how important it is to to work with other people as well. But if not, at least there's some sort of seed that's planted. And I know for me that was pretty much the deal in my case. And it was hard for me to deny some things essentially over the next two years where I continued to drink and I continued to get loaded. It was really hard for me. It's kind of like oh, you kind of know now. Ignorance was, I guess, somewhat blissful. Um, in an adult, in an adult, it's just ignorance, you know. Uh, yeah, it only works for the kiddies. Um, so, again, like I said, really, March fifth, two thousand two, wasn't really different than many other days. But you know, when I look back, something had happened. What really happened for me is I was in that facility for about two weeks. And um, I was trying to get anywhere. Again, it was 180 men downtown Los Angeles. It really wasn't what I, where I wanted to be. Um, co-ed, preferably, would have been nicer. Um, and, and definitely not downtown Los Angeles. Um, and something happened, though, is, is I had been on the phone trying desperately, desperately, but my focus was I got to get somewhere else. And uh, what happened is eventually I had a moment of clarity and I just, I, 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 I just put the phone down and, and the thought that came to me was essentially that, you know, that where I was at was the sum total existence of my life. I was about four months shy of turning 31, um, and a whole lot of stuff had happened. But that it had all brought me to that moment right there, and that I guess I was exactly where I needed to be. And I put down the phone, and in, in some ways I stopped, you know, I ceased fighting. You know, I, I stayed at that facility for about seven months, and I did what they asked me to do, partly because I'm a little institutionalized, but I was willing mo- as well. And uh, and slowly but surely, things began to change. You know, if you had asked me in the moment what was different, I couldn't have told you. That one's always, well, what's different this time? For those of us who have been back a couple few times, maybe five, six, seven. Um, I don't really know. If I, and if I tell you that I know what's different, <laughs> don't believe it. Um <laughs> Um, but the, the man that I had worked with before, uh, who had attempted to take me through the steps, eventually I ended up 
getting in contact with them. I had tried asking all these people to sponsor me, and it was just, I mean, now I look back, it was kind of fitting. They were all like, I'd love, you know, because by then I'd been in out of these programs in L.A. These people knew me. They were kind of somewhat happy to see me back, and they were like, eh, okay, how long are you going to be here this time? Um, and... <laughs> And nobody could really help me out. And eventually I called this man and he happened to be working downtown and, and he was like, he was so excited to hear from me and he, and he just come over to my office and, and we commenced to going through the steps and, and he would, I, and I look back now, he would have me come in on his lunch hour and he would just sit there with me and take me through the steps on his lunch hour at work. I mean, that's totally an example of service right there. And, and, you know, but at the same time, he was really clear with me and he's like, look, Tristan, I'm not going to spoon feed you this, this, the, these steps. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what you need to do and you can go do it. And if you do it, you can come see me next week. And if you don't do it, don't call. Don't. I don't really care. And for me, that's what I needed. I'm not saying, that's not really the way, I, I, mean, I do it to some degree, but not really. I don't really do that. But I understand at least he was able to look into me and have an, in, an idea of what it might be that might compel me you know, to some degree. Um, and so what I, what I want to talk about is, 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 is my experience with the steps, just mainly with the first step, because it, it really encompasses so much. But obviously through the lens, the perspective that I acquired um, was given, was shown um, by way of this man and many other people. And partly the, the amazing thing about the first step is it captures not only my life before drinking, but it captures my life while drinking. And it even captures my life potentially in the present. It, ha- it, it, it touches us in so many ways, this, what, this powerlessness that we're up against, this spiritual powerlessness. Some people call it, you know, uh, spiritual disease, you know, malady. I, for me, I, I go with disconnect. You know, it, it, for me, what disconnected me from my spirit was just life, was all of the difficulties, all of the things that I experienced. And again, I didn't have the worst childhood. I know that. But you know what? I, hey, they look greener on the other side. You know, and I, I lived in a single-parent household. There wasn't a lot of immediate family members around. My dad was essentially an absentee father, even though I lived with him for a few years. My mom did the best that she could, often working two jobs. Yeah, we lived in an apartment in New York with a bathroom in the hallway for a number of years. But my mother has so much love and so much care for me that she more than made up. With somebody with a different temperament would have excelled. Me? Nah, not so much. It just didn't work out that way. And so I don't like to get too far into detracting on my parents. And they're, you know, because look... There's always difficulties. I think more is just kind of about me and my temperament. Nor do I want to make it sound like my alcoholism is situational or, or based on, on context, right, or based on circumstances. Because at the end of the day, it's something much bigger than that. I feel like you could have thrown me in any household and I would have went upside down eventually. You could have given me the best life in the world. I would have blown that one up too, you know. And in a lot of ways, hey, I have the best life in the world. I blew it up, you know. Um, and... And so what I see is that that spiritual malady, this is kind of what's in us from the gate. You know, and for me it was ungratefulness, feeling unloved and, and abandoned and things like that. And things happen along the way and I don't have time to get into it too much. But if you have a chance and you haven't read page 52, it talks about it being full of, you know, full of fear, prey to misery and depression, feel like you don't have a life worth living. These things are a little bit large for someone at a young age, but there was a sense of just something was wrong. And it was just, I, I couldn't articulate any of it, you know. When my dad got remarried, the, the brief period of time I lived with him in Venice Beach back in 1980, and, and, and he, I didn't come with the package, I went all upside down behind that. I couldn't say, I didn't know how to say anything, you know. And I ended up in New York, and within a few months, I started, I started drinking and partying. And, and back then, it was, uh, uh, there was a, a movie theater called the 8th Street Playhouse in New York City, and they had midnight movies, uh, Rocky Horror, Fritz the Cat, Song Remains the Same, Ziggy Stardust, all that good stuff. 
you know, uh, the deal of it was there really wasn't many people who were in the fifth grade hanging out there. Um, <laughs> but you know I was. Yeah. And I didn't last that long. I was a little bit too young. I might have had the endurance, but I just didn't have the ability. Uh, and and I came out weird. Um, and <laughs> I came out weird. And look, and if you know anything about Rocky Horror, you know that you can just I can, we could dot 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 the rest of that, and something happened. Um, and. It's a good thing I don't actually think about this stuff. Uh, and, and I got a taste for this lifestyle, for this thing, and it just seemed like so much fun. And really, it was like a source of liberation. And that's the thing. Initially, this world was a source of liberation. It opened up all these possibilities and these interesting people. And it was so blah, 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 blah. And then it was just a place of bondage. And I was just stuck. And there were no good times. There were no more parties. If Well, there were parties. I wasn't getting invited. Um, and I already told you where it took me. And that wasn't enough because I, I, I continued on. Bill talks about that in his story. He comes to a point and then he goes, the mind and body are mar- marvelous mechanisms, right? I endured this for two more years. I can relate in my own way. Anyways, it opened up this world and then it totally collapsed. And the amazing thing about recovery is it's liberation all over again. And what we stand on today, what we have the opportunity to stand on is our past. That's the foundation of recovery in part is all that garbage that that we went through. And we get this new lens, this new perspective from which to look through to get an understanding of who we are, right? And, And what we're made of and the fact that, you know what, I'm not like other people, especially when it comes to alcohol and potentially a few other things too, you know. And so I can see now how I had this some form of this spirituality early on. And as I continued to drink and and continued to party and all of that, it just got bigger and bigger. And some people talk about trying to fill the hole in the soul and, and all, and that, and you know, it makes a lot of sense, you know, and it just, no matter how much, no matter how, it just never went away for a while. It would get really quiet. Everything would seem okay. And then it's like, ah, just be on you. Right. (laughs) Jamie did a good version of that. Probably better than me. And just be on you, you know, And, and so what happened along the way for me is, again, where we need to identify with the first step, you know, and, 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 and what that's about is this lack of control, right, physically and mentally, right, and seeing that for me, when I drank alcohol, I was a lightweight drunk, I was lightweight, I was the guy who would drink very, very little, would end up in the corner drooling and, but, and spinning, I wasn't the violent drunk, I wasn't the happy drunk, I was the in the corner drooling spinning drunk. The knowledge of that was insufficient to keep me from drinking, right? And that's where this mental obsession comes in. The idea was that one day I was going to pull it off. I was going to be the life of the party. I was going to be out there in the forefront. I was going to be double-fisted, blah, 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 blah. The only time it happened is when I got some of those other goodies, and then I could get all wild, and then days would go by, and then I never got right, though. The problem with this thing is, if you can relate to this, is that Every time I got right, I always still needed to get right. And then when I got right, I needed to get right. And then once I got right, you, right, and it just never, it never got there, you know? And, and so what that is for me is, one, it's that lack of power physically. I overshot the mark time in and time again. Now, I'm not saying there weren't brief moments of control. There are, and the book talks about that. But when I look back, those were all setups for what was to come later. It was like a little teaser. Oh, yeah, here you go. You all right. 
I know you had a good... Well, I'll get you next week. Don't worry. You know? I got something in store for you. Oh, yeah. You know? And along the way, what happened? My mind just became polluted, essentially. My mind, it just, it, it just, it just, it, it really did. I mean, it's hard not to. I don't know. I mean, when you think, when you think back, when I look, look, think back on a guy, I can't even put, get the words right. Um, thank God I can even put a sentence together. Um, you know, uh, and what happens is, is that I have this, I, this thought, this thought that overrides all rational thought not to get loaded, not to drink, right? It talks about that in the book too. Parallel to our sound reasoning runs this other insane idea to get loaded. And the insane idea wins out, despite what's in front of me, despite the consequences piling up. And this is another thing that they ask us to consider, like, given sufficient reason, what do you do? Get loaded. (laughs) What else? Now I got a reason. Life sucks. (laughs) I I don't have a place to live. The girl left. My folks don't want to see me. I don't have any more material possessions. Sounds like a good idea to get loaded. I mean, really? that's, That's me. You know, and I don't even think about it. I just do it. You know, that's the insanity of it. And that's what, that's really ultimately what I saw in the first step. Really, it talks about that too. It talks about these kind of like, I never really thought of myself as a psychopath, but then they have this kind of like description in the book. Like, did you make a lot of resolutions? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Never a decision. Yeah, I did that too. Um, Or are you the type who's unwilling to admit you can't take a drink in danger? Oh, yeah. Okay. Or after a period, you think, hey, I'm okay. I deserve one, right? I was like, ah, they just, it's like, that's the insane thing. When you finally are, in the, in the, are brought to a place, for me, it's on my own, I can't manufacture recovery. That's why earlier I said I land here. I don't have the power to do that. And I end up in places like this, and something happens where, as I was saying, I tried to describe it as the loving hand of AA outstretches its arm. And for some reason, in that moment, I'm open to the gift that's being extended. And that's the thing is that I went in and out of places like this and, and met countless, uh, uh, countless people who were, were more than willing to help me and I was just blocked. And for some reason, this time, it just it opened up. And that is very much to me, it's like very magical in the most practical sense. It's just, it, you know, because I don't want to get too kooky with it, you know. But it really is. It, 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 it's that type of moment um, that's so beyond anything. And that's another part what it talks about, like how many... Are you the type with whom all other methods failed completely? Like, think the methods are just endless. Not going to, like, you know, meetings and, 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 and recovery homes. But how many different ways did you try to spin this thing? And for how long? You know? And I see that, too, as I see that I, 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 I look back and this obsession and this physical powerlessness and, and this just disconnect that, that just had me in its grips essentially was kind of dictating the terms of my life and that I, I was, you know, I, look, I lived in Hawaii for five years about after I got out of high school. It's kind of hard to knock Hawaii. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that, that it was all bad and I didn't meet some, some nice people along the way, but it, for me, it's like, what happened in the end? And that's what they're talking about. Failed completely. Not, oh, it worked for a year. What happened? Because that's my mind. Well, you know, it worked for 12 months. No, no, no. What happened the 13th month? Oh, well... <laughs> And that's what they're getting at. Because what we're talking about here is permanent sobriety. We're talking about the opportunity to stay sober and to live a sober life, to live a life of recovery. We're not talking about going back. We're talking about staying stopped. Right? And that's what the tools are about. You know? I don't have to, want to have to start again to find out I need to stop. To start again. To find out I need to, like, I did that. You know? Um, and so 
it's hard for me to throw away all of that. But again, at the end of the day, at the end of it all, no matter where I went, you know, who I, who I met, you know, whatever it was, I still was left with me. And me just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel good. And I still needed something to feel okay. And that something that I needed to feel okay was killing me one day at a time. It was like signing up for death in like little, little, little bits, little bits, little bits, which is really torturous. <laughs> just, you know, to take me out. Let's get it over with. Um, God, you know, but no, it's like torture like that. I don't know, maybe like that fingernail torture or something. Um, and amazingly enough, I had that experience with the first step and I saw that it wasn't about if I was going to drink again, but, but when. That essentially it's gonna ha- if if I see if I see nothing else I should see the pattern. <laughs> the pattern is I always end up with one, and everything that happens in between is just what happens. And it's not about if it's about when, and it's com- it's coming. And and what I have to do is I have to dive into this thing. And again, the only way I know that I dive into it, I just end up doing it. It's all about the action. I mean, as the first three steps were explained to me by my sponsor, they're steps of inner concessions. And these are all these things that we have to concede to our innermost self. These, the level of powerlessness. How insane I really am. Right? Uh, uh, and seeing that. And ultimately, the steps are a vehicle. The steps are, are something that takes me from the problem of alcoholism to the solution of recovery, which is ultimately a spiritual solution. You know, what that looks like for everybody in this room could be art potentially just totally different and that's so that's the beauty of alcoholics anonymous but i do believe that that power that we all talk about some of some of us call that power god some of us call that power some other name is essentially the same thing it's just a different perspective on it and there's so many perspectives on the planet and it's all they're all talking about uh, the same power it's that essence that's inside of us that flows through all of us and every living thing and that's the way that's the way i see it and the deal of it is is you don't have to agree with me and that's okay that's fine I love Alcoholics Anonymous for that reason, because we're pretty stubborn people. And if we kind of didn't feel like we had, like, oh, yeah, I had my own little way with this thing, we probably, I don't know, something. <laughs> something. Even though we don't really have our way with it, we kind of just had the, the idea of it, you know? Uh, anyways, and the steps are this vehicle that make this possible, you know? And, and in seeing that, what happens is my life begins to began to unfold. And, and again, the third step is really just a decision. And, and the amazing, this is, the, the, the as my sponsor said, these first three steps are inner concessions. And that was the one step I remember. We did that third step, and I actually got up and I was like, oh, I felt something in the moment. And, and all what I felt it came to me in an intuitive thought. And it said, you're going to be okay. You know, and I remember asking my sponsor, I was like, okay, cool, we got this point. And then, you know, like, yeah, fourth step. And he was just like, look, man, people like you are lazy. You guys don't do shit. And I look, I look, I, if you actually come back next week, I'll be surprised. <laughs> you know? It's like, ah, yeah, you know, first one on the list, you know. Um and, and the, the next phase of the steps, really, the next the next phase of the steps are the where I take the concessions, the depths of my concessions about my powerlessness and my insanity and the turning over of my will to this power that I've come, beginning to come to believe in. It's always been in, in my life. It's always been in all of our lives. can't turn your back on, on God. That just sounds okay. If God's 
Okay, I'm going to leave that one alone. And, and nor does nor does that power need permission to work in our lives. Okay, those are, again. And if I've conceded anything, I'm going to show it in four through nine. And I'm going to come out the other side beginning to be a somewhat changed person. Why is that? Because I'm going to swallow some truths about myself in step four. I'm going to see how tossed up I really am. I'm not the victim. Usually I am the chaos creator. You know, and if only everybody would have just acted according to my plan, it would have been okay. I don't care if they had a plan working too. They should have just been with my plan. And I see these things, and, and what I see ultimately is that this is what I've this is this is what I've done. I don't like to say that's the best I could have done because I'd like to believe I could have done better. But you know what? It's what I did. There's no denying it. And ultimately, though, so we take that to this other person. We take that to our higher power. We ask to be free of it, and we demonstrate that by going out and facing ourselves in step nine going back through the fabric of our lives and going and making those amends. And I did that. I, 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 you know, I traveled back to the East Coast a couple times and I made, I made my amends. It took about five years to get through the most of them from the first time I went through the steps. Um, but ultimately, in the end, it actually it took a while. And there's no timetable on this thing. You know, there's no, like, graduation. You know, it's just, <laughs> this, is a, this is a daily deal, sometimes a moment-to-moment deal. And the deal of it is is just to stay, to, to stay connected and to continually ask for guidance. And so coming out of that, ultimately, with 10, 11, and 12, it's like, wow, I, I, it, to some degree, I, had come out of that, I came out of that a new person, not altogether. I'm not, this isn't like, I'm, look, I do not do this thing gracefully. I have struggled along the way. Look, life is just not easy. I don't know for, if it's easy for you and it's all starburst and Skittles. Can we talk after the meeting? I, I just don't know. You know, I mean, have you ever pulled up uh, someone who you would really think of as an elder who's never drank or used and started talking about this stuff and they look at you like... <laughs> Uh, excuse me? We call this life? Yeah? Did you get that memo? No, you didn't. Um, and so I have this opportunity to continue to grow and develop, to continue to, continue to grow and develop with my Howard Power, with my fellows, and not just in the rooms here, but all around, and have the opportunity to continue to make things right and ultimately to do what? What, what we're actually, this whole deal is about is getting to be in a position where we can help other people just like us. That's the crazy thing. It's not about me. It's not really about anybody in here tonight. It's about the people who aren't here yet. It's the people who haven't gotten the message of recovery yet. Because guess what? They're coming. They are. They'll be here soon. Some later. They'll be here. It's the nature of the thing. It really, it's sad to say it is. I would like kind of maybe to be different, but then I don't know. Then we wouldn't have this. It's kind of, but, you know, I wouldn't want to see anybody suffer the way I did or the way anybody in this room suffered. But, you know, we are who we are, and it's just the nature of it. And ultimately, I've, I've been given this opportunity, and what's amazing for me, um, I would say is, thank you, Martin, uh, is that, um, again, that I had an experience that was transformative in my life, and I saw... That in, in, in having that experience, that, that it was imperative that I help other people. 
And I realize that sometimes that doesn't happen for everybody. And you know what? Hey, you know what? That's just the deal of it. I don't know. For me, it did happen, and I, I do the best that I can. I don't do this. Thing. I'm not, you know, hey, sometimes I fall short. That's just part of the deal. And But for the most part, that's what's happened for me for the better part of the last 12-odd years. And I've, 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 I've lived in this thing. I came in here a 31-year-old body and about the mental capacity of a 17-year-old. You know, I just turned 43, and I'm not going to say that the, the gap completely has, 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 has collapsed, but it's pretty darn close. It, it really has, you know. It's changed. And over time, it took a period of time. And slowly but surely, I, I grew up here in a lot of respects, as we probably all do. I mean, we are kind of like overgrown, spoiled, indulged children who come in here, and we are just completely willful and just out of our minds. And... <laughs> But we're no longer kids. And really, in a lot of respects, apart from the fact that this is a spiritual program and it is about developing that spiritual relationship and, 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 and you know, accessing that connection and being at one with it in whatever way works for you, this is about emotional maturity and about growing up and becoming a responsible person, showing up for the people that love you, showing up for people that don't love you maybe. Just showing up for people, right? Being a good worker, you know, when you don't want to be. Uh, whatever, you know, we, I could, I'm not going to, I could add infinitum on that list too, you know? But that's really what it's about. And we get the opportunity to do that. That's what's so amazing, considering, right? All that's happened, all that's taken place. We have such an amazing community here. And, and that's what, it, you know, it, from the uh, disease of loneliness and despair to, 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 a, to, a, to a life of a community and, 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 and hope. I mean, it's, it really is, is, is amazing that this is what is afforded. And, and um, I am forever thankful that it's happened for me. And like I said, lately, uh, I'm, I've just went, I'm back, going back through the steps, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm going through the steps with a guy that I've known for a few years that I respect, that, that I really like, and, and, and I respect who he is as a person and the life that he has from what I can tell. And, and, and I'm just fortunate, glad that I'm able to, to, to do that. It, it can be hard. I'm not, I'm not an old-timer, but I've been here for about 12-odd years, and you can get this idea of who you think you are, and then it can be kind of hard to tell people, you know what, I'm struggling right now because I've got this idea that I should be somebody, and I'm just me. And you know what, I'm struggling around here, and I, life isn't always that easy, and could you help me out? So I got this idea that oh maybe I don't need help. Uh, you know, it's just it's that's me. Now, I don't maybe nobody else goes through that. <laughs> um, and the relationships with my family have been repaired. With my mother, we have such an amazing relationship. My dad, you know, it's tough. I, I realize I love him, but I kind of don't like him. And I, it's like, and I have to, and then I have to, and then I just he he is who he is. You know, and I am who I am, and, and somewhere or another, we have an amazing connection, but it's, it's tough. It is, and I guess it's just, there's, there's, there, more will be revealed. You know, that's all I can say, and, and I, I've met some amazing friends along the way. I, I've, I've developed some amazing friendships. I really didn't know what friendship was about prior to getting sober. You know, it was about, you know, what do you got for me? You know, what can I get from you? For the most part, right? There was always an agenda, even when I was being kind. And uh, it's not like that. The people who like me, they like. I don't. Really, I don't have a lot of. I don't know what you're going to get off of me if you hang out with me. You must like me because I don't have any. I, don't, I really don't have nothing to give you. Um, so except friendship, like it's kind of cool in that respect. And, and you see that, and it's so amazing. 
And uh, I think I'm, is, we're done? Just about? <laughs> what? A minute? Okay. And so, again, as much as I've struggled around here, uh, I haven't gotten, I haven't drank, you know, for 12 odd years. And I, I, I've made myself available to my fellows. Uh, I've, I've, I've fellowshiped with a community of, of kindred spirits, and uh, I've made myself willing and open to to go through the 12-step process and swallow some truths about myself. And um, I do that because I believe in the power that saves people such as ourselves. That's why I do it. I don't do any of these things to stay sober. That's not my job. I just wake up and just live life. And sometimes it's wonky, and sometimes I'm on the beam, you know. Uh, and that's what it is. And uh, I'm just thankful for all of the experiences, because I believe all of them are, they are all important. And it's what, it's our triumphs, our failures, all of them come together, and they make us who we are. And so I, I, I do my best to never discount any of them, even though, of course, they're not always easy in the moment. Sounds good, right? It's like, yeah, sounds good. How's that look? Um, and what I want to say, and I'm going to end with this, is one of the things that my sponsor told me. Um, and whenever I get the opportunity to share with uh, with, uh, with good people such as yourself, um, I like to share this. And I think I had about 60 days or so sober. And I told you I was at a men's facility in downtown L.A. And if you've been to downtown L.A., you, you, you might get where I'm going with this. And... Um, even though it looks a lot better these days, kind of like East Village, San Diego. Um, and uh, anyways, he looked at me and he said, Tristan, you've come too far to turn back. Man, I was like, okay. Uh, I've been to a couple New Age workshops and a couple of these spiritual retreats along the way, and I tried my best to, but what are you talking, I'm, I'm in downtown Los Angeles at, at, at Harbor Light Center on 5th off of Crocker. Like, this is what, where is it that I've come to too far to turn, what, dude, I, do, do you see, do you see my material surroundings? <laughs> but he wasn't talking about that. He wasn't talking about that at all. And the amazing thing is he only told me that one time, and it just stuck. He said, you've come too far to turn back. And you think about all that you've been through. Whether you're on day zero or day 10,000. All of that stuff, you know. And so, again, whenever I get the opportunity to share, what I always like to to share at the end is that, please, remember that you two have uh, come too far to turn back. Thanks for letting me share.